Welcome to Young Adults. Thank you for recording the game and joining us tonight. Hopefully you recorded the game. If not, you can come to my house. We recorded the game. Um, so super excited to be with you guys tonight. And um, hey, what we talked about just a second ago was the retreat. And I just want to give a quick plug because um, I love the retreat. Um, and um, it's just such an incredible time. Jesus got away. You know, Jesus spent time up and up away from people in the mountains, um, just him and the Lord, that he could commune with his father and have these intimate moments, right? And then he would come down, and that's when he would have these powerful moments of ministry. And um, I just want to encourage you that this year, um, the goal of the soul retreat is simply that people who are weary, if you're burnt out, if you're needing a moment, if you're needing a break, if you're needing just a pause button, like this is what this is for. And um, there's like this, <laughs> there's tons of fun. We have so many crazy, stupid things planned. But um, it's so relaxing, too. And um, I just want to encourage you um, that to give a scholarship if you have extra money and then, and then to attend. If you haven't decided to attend yet, do it tonight. It's going to be so well worth it. And, um, yeah, and Jesus did it, so we should, too. And so um, tonight we are um, getting into uh, just a, a one-night message, a standalone. And I believe that God wants to speak to us tonight. I believe that he has um, just a perfect moment, just a perfect word for every single person in here. And the thing that I wanted to ask you guys tonight is simply this, is um, what's your level of satisfaction like right now in your life? Like if, uh, you know, if over here was I'm completely satisfied, I have everything that I need, I feel um, full and overflowing in my spirit, you know, I feel satisfied, would you say I'm completely satisfied or would you say, you know, there's some things in my life that are lacking, there's some things in my life that I wish I could change, that I want to rearrange in my circumstance, or would you say I'm somewhere over here and I'm completely dissatisfied, there's a million things I wish I could change. There's a million uh, different ways I wish that my life were different and that my insides were fulfilled. Right now, I am dissatisfied. There was a song that came out years and years and years ago, and in 2004, the Rolling Stone magazine uh, made a list of the top 500 songs ever in history, and they said, these are them, like if the best songs ever. And number two was this song by the Rolling Stones, which is ironic, um, called uh, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. And, and not only that, but it was actually put into the Library of Congress in 2006, which I just kind of thought was funny. I was like, oh, like really important stuff and this song. And so, um, so but I thought it was so um, indicative of who we are as a people group and who we are as a society that we relate with the words of this song so much that, that in our lives, it's almost as if we are constantly lacking satisfaction. And there's a million things that are promising you everyday satisfaction. You look at commercials right now. You look at your television or at your phone or at, you know, any type of advertisement on Facebook, and it is promising you some type of satisfaction. It'll be like, well, if you just get this piece of workout equipment, you're going to look like this dude, and you're going to feel amazing. And so you're like, sweet, I'm going to buy that piece of equipment. And you get, you know, it shows up from Amazon and you unwrap it. And then you're like, what do, what do I do in this? 
do I, you know, and so, and so it's like false advertising. Like it's promising you satisfaction. It's promising you some type of life change and it doesn't add up. Or, you know, maybe, you know, you hear from your friends and they're like, oh my gosh, you have to go down to this restaurant in Lohi. And it's just amazing. It's going to change your life. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to do this. Um, I'm going to head down. I'm going to drive. I'm going to park and there's no parking, but I'm going to do it. And, and I'm going to get down there and I'm going to order my meal and and then some dude in really short short comes out and like a mustache and like a freed Tibet t-shirt and and he's like you know here's your meal and it's like a little piece of meat and like syrup or something and you're like what like like there is so many things in our lives right now that are promising us satisfaction as a society that are saying, this is going to be the quick fix. This is going to be the thing that does it for you. And they don't measure up. It's false advertising. We can't get no satisfaction. And if you don't believe me, think about your life right now. Because in your life, you are most likely thinking that there are a number of things that are going to bring you some type of inner peace, that are, is going to bring you some type of inner fulfillment. You'll think, well, if I just get an education, then it's all going to work out. It's all going to feel just right. I'm going to feel satisfied. If I could just get that girlfriend, that wife, that husband, I know that at that moment, I'm going to feel it. I am going to be satisfied. If I could get that dream job, if I could get that next level, if I could just move into this type of deal, then I'd be satisfied. But then you get the education or you get the crazy girlfriend. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm sorry, girls. <laughs> and you are not satisfied. This is our problem in America. This is our problem in humanity. And God says to us, he said this, thousands of years ago that this was the same problem that thousands of years ago that they had then that we are experiencing now. In Ecclesiastes, um, Solomon writes this. He says, he says, I worked and I toiled. I, I, I did as much as I could. He said, my heart took delight in my labor, and this was my reward for all my toil. He's basically saying, I looked for things that satisfied me. I worked to get the things that I thought would satisfy me. Thus, I considered all my activities which my hands had done and the labor which I had exerted, and behold, all was vanity and striving after the wind, and there was no profit under the sun. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I was grasping for satisfaction anywhere I could possibly find it, and it was like hugging air. There's nothing there. Hosea puts it like this. It says, she will chase after her lovers, meaning things that she thinks are going to satisfy her, a relationship that she thinks is going to satisfy her, a job that she thinks is going to satisfy her, something. She's grasping at it. She will chase after her lovers and not catch them. She will look for them, and she will not find them. See, God is explaining in his word what we do in our lives. And what we do is try to grab at satisfaction. And it's like grabbing at nothing. And we still feel so dissatisfied. And this is the anthem of us in our 20s, right? Because you can have any job you want right now. The world is your oyster right now. The, the, the possibilities are wide and open and vast to you. And yet... 
you feel this aching dissatisfaction. If you um, are in here tonight, I just have a feeling that there's a whole bunch of us that are just feeling dissatisfied, dissatisfied in our life. And the thing I came to bring to you tonight is this, that the level of your surrender in your life will determine your level of satisfaction. That the level of surrender that is in your life right now will determine the level of your satisfaction. That God wants you to move from a place of white knuckles to a place of white flags. And so I titled tonight, White Knuckles and White Flags. And so let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit, Jesus, would you do a work in here tonight? God, would you come? And God, um, to the people listening online, to the people um, just hearing this for the first time, God, would you just move in our spirits? We don't listen to your word for it not to do a work in our lives, God. I pray that no word falls to the ground tonight, but that it pierces our hearts, it moves in our spirits, and it changes our insides, God. We come to you for fulfillment. We come to you for satisfaction tonight. We are looking to you to bring all of this. We release it to you. God, come down tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Um, my daughter is stubborn. She's two. And, um, and she's just intense. Um, I'm very proud of her. I love her very much. And, uh, but I also, like, there's times where I'm like, oh, wow. Um, can I just not be your parent for two seconds? Like, 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 for example, she has the most grabby hands like I've ever seen, uh, ever. And so, you know, we'll be getting ready in the morning and she like walks in and she's like, I got a screwdriver and it's mine. And, and I'm like, it's not yours. Give it back. You know, and, and I like sprint after her or like, she, you know, she'll grab my hairbrush or she'll grab my toothbrush or she'll grab my makeup, you know, God forbid, or she'll like grab my shoes or she like, she just like, she's just like, what's up here? And, and at this, and I'm like, those are tweezers. Like, you know, like, and, and when I try to grab them back from her, she's like, oh. and then my daughter does this awesome thing where she like runs, she runs like this. So she'll be like, oh. <laughs> like sprint. And so I'm like, that, that's hilarious, you know, but then I run after her and I, I like pry the thing out of her hands. And this is like a regular occurrence. So the other day we headed into King Supers and I have one mission. Now for all of you single people, um, all I want to do is grab a a greeting card like this is it okay I just need a card and then I'm gonna leave um, treasure the time where you can go into King Supers and get a card and walk out <laughs> like just treasure it because I'm like all right I'm like game planning I'm all right all right the girl let's do this and so I grab her her little hand she's got this cute little like chunky hand and I'm like okay girl and I'm like hold my hand there's cars and she's like all right and then we get inside and I'm like okay we're doing pretty good right step one parenting I'm doing great and uh, we get inside and I'm like okay we just need to get to the cards and as soon as we get into the cards she's kind of like getting wiggly and I'm like just hold mama's hand okay we're not gonna you know just hold mama's hand stay right here and she's like wiggling right and she's like she's like and then she does this <gasps> like the like limp noodle thing and I'm like dude no like I can't right now I just need a card and so I'm like get up get up and then I'm like okay I've got a great idea and I see like this little like dollar pony thing it's like a stuffed pony and I'm like okay mommy's gonna buy this for you and she's like sweet and I'm like, just give me two. I grab the card, right? We start making our way up towards the front. And I'm like, this is awesome. I got this. 
Uh, we get to check out, and, and, and I scan the card, boop, and then I'm like, okay, now I need to scan the pony. And she's like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, I got to scan the pony, girl. Like, we gotta, I got to scan it. Like, I used to steal, but I'm a pastor now. And so... <laughs> So I like we gotta scan it, right? And so she's like, she's like, she's like, I, I don't get it, I don't get it. And I'm like, Brooklyn. And so I like try to like hover her over. I'm like, just, just scan it, just, just boop, just scan it, right? And she's like, she's like, no, not having it. And so finally, I'm like, Brooklyn, I have to buy this toy. And so I pry the pony out of her, and as I'm prying the pony out of her fingers, she lets out this like blood curdling scream, like, like jet engine. And I'm looking around like, I don't beat her. I don't. I don't beat my child, right? And, 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 and we get into the car, like, and I'm like, cool, whatever. I'm just going to forget this ever happened. Thank God. I don't, it's a new neighborhood. I don't know anyone. And I get to a shower for a person at church. And, uh, and they're like, oh, hey. They're like, hey, did you move um, to Littleton? Because I just, I saw you at King Supers. And she's like, parenting's hard, huh? And, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I just, just want to die. And so, um. But here's the reality is my daughter, it was like fear overtook her in this moment. Like I was taking something from her. Like I was doing her harm. Like, like I meant ill will towards her by taking her pony when all I wanted to do was get that thing scanned. And I think sometimes that you and me are a lot more like a toddler than we care to admit that God looks at us and he says, hey, I'd like a little more access to that. to that relationship, to that job, to that promotion you're hoping to get, to that area of pain in your life. I'd like to have some access to that. And we white knuckle that sucker and we say, no, absolutely not, God. This is mine, this is mine to deal with. See, there's a problem with us and letting go and wanting control. And there's a story about a woman in the Bible who was faced with a circumstance where she would either surrender or she would hold on and she would take control. And we find her story in the book of Exodus, chapter 2, and it says this, Now a man of the tribe of Levi, Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that the, uh, he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. And she placed the child in it and put him among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Her sister stood at a distance. I'm sorry. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Okay, so this was a long, long time ago in the Egyptian nation. And at the time, there was a, uh, a pharaoh named Thutmose, okay, the first. And he, um, he knew nothing about Joseph and, and the Hebrew relationship that the Egyptians and the Israelites had had in the past, okay? And he viewed all of the Hebrew people and all of the Israelites as a threat. They were growing in number. And so he viewed them as a threat to his national security. He thought these people are going 
going to rise up and they are going to overtake Egypt. And so I've got to do something about that. But he also saw them to be an economic asset. And so he thought to himself, well, my goodness, there's so many of them, like, let's just make them slaves. And if we're really rough on them, they're probably not going to procreate and we can probably reduce their numbers. And so for a number of years, he enslaves the Israelites and he makes them work and he makes them toil in order to build all of Egypt, okay? And, but he realizes that they're not reducing in numbers. And so he decides to himself, well, all right, I'm going to do this midwife program. And so he sends out this edict to all of the midwives all over the nation. And he says, if you are a midwife and you deliver a Hebrew baby, if it's a boy, kill it. And if it's a girl, let it live. But the midwives were God-fearing and, and they didn't kill babies. And so they said, well, we're not going to do that. And so his plan didn't work. And so he finally sends out an edict to everyone, every single Hebrew person that lived in Egypt. And he said, okay, here's the deal. Either you kill your baby boy or I'll make sure that it happens. And so we see this woman, a Levite woman who marries a Levite man, and she becomes pregnant. Now, this moment of pregnancy you have to picture for her is filled with joy, but then also like pure anxiety because she does not know if it's a boy or if it's a girl. And so this entire time she's just worrying and, and fearful and overcome with what is going to happen in my life. How is this going to turn out? And the boy is born. And it says that she looks at, looked at him and saw that he was a fine child. There's a moment as a parent where you look at your kid and it's like the world stands still. Nothing else exists. And she makes a decision in that moment and she hides him. She controls the scenario to the best of her ability. But there comes a point where she realizes it's just a matter of time and she has to let go. And so she does the unthinkable, and she makes a little basket for him, and she sets him in the river. And so I look at this story, and I think to myself, my goodness, I can relate with this. I think you can relate with this. It is human to do what she did to try to hide the child. It is human to try to make the best of the scenario, to try to control the scenario, to try to fix it, to try to make it right, to try to hide him. I look at her and I think, I can relate. I have empathy. But then it's human, isn't it, to white knuckle? It is human for us to white knuckle, which is the first point I want to make tonight, and it's this, is that white knuckling is the human thing to do. White knuckling is exactly what your default is to do. White knuckling is the way that you will most likely carry out your circumstances when you are fearful, when you are afraid, when you are frustrated, when you are dissatisfied. This is what you will do. You will take control. This is not just this Hebrew woman's story. This is every person's story in here. Your first instinct when things get hard will be to white knuckle and will be to control your circumstance. Let me give you an example. You are dating a girl and she's awesome, right? And you're like, this is great. Like this might be it. This is the thing, right? And, and, but then she like decides somewhere in there that she's like maybe changed her mind and she starts to like set some distance between the two of you. And then like she stops texting you and then maybe she, you know, she doesn't call you back anymore. And then, um, and then at YA, like she starts avoiding your gaze like oh my gosh right and and you think to yourself okay one of two things I can either let it go or I can lock this crap down and so you're like I'm gonna lock it down 
and you're like, I'm going to do some recon work. Where is she right now on Facebook? Okay, she checked in at the 24-hour going to it, right? And, and, then, and then you start, like, to asking her friends, like, what's she up to? Like, what's her deal? What's going on with her, right? And in, in other words, you're being a stalker. And, 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 and because it is natural for us to control in circumstances that scare us. Maybe for you, it's your finances. You have been in distress essentially since you left your mom and dad's house. And so you pick up extra shifts and you put in the time and you put in the effort. Um, but you are unwilling to surrender to the Lord in your finances. And so you are in this perpetual state of frustration. Have you ever met a person that is just constantly in a financial crisis and they're like, praise the Lord, you're my provider on Thursday night. But then on Tuesday, they're like, oh my gosh, am I going to pay my AT&T bill? Like, I don't know what's happening. Oh my God. You know, and you're like, control in our lives. Maybe for you, it's a position you want. It's a dream that you have. And so instead of surrendering this area of your life, you decide to micromanage and manipulate and play chess at work and kiss up to who you need to kiss up to in order to make things work for you. See, we are not good at surrendering, young adults. We are better at controlling. And we have a mentality that says something like this, like an I got this mentality, right? Which is the American way, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps, like I got this, I got this, right? A machissimo, like we just, we know we can get it done. And if you are anything like me, I don't know you, but I know myself. And so see if you can relate. I will work and I will toil and I will make things happen to the best of my ability until someone or something stops me. I will work and I will try and I will own and I will strive until someone or something stops me. See, we put on our flesh boxing gloves and we say, I got this. I got this. And in John 15, Jesus says, well, I'm sorry, um, but I am the vine and you are the branches. And apart from me, you can do nothing. And we look at him and we're like, oh, well, I can do a couple things. <laughs> I mean, I can just give me a second, you know. And you know what's crazy is we will control our world, we will mastermind our world, we will manipulate our world, and then when things go wrong, who do we blame? See, white knuckling is human, but what you get is human results. And so you will ask the Lord, 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 what about my financial scenario? Why are you not working here? What is going on? I am in desperation. Lord, I need a miracle. I want a, I want a grace. I want a blessing in my relationship. Where are you? Lord, I want, I want to move to the next level. I want more influence. I want, I want to grow in, in what you've given me to do and in, and in my dreams. And he's like, I would love to do that. Can you hand it over? When we manhandle our circumstances as humans, we get human results. And divine results are only reserved for those who are willing to surrender. See, control leads to some pretty depraved places, places where there are no peace, places where your insides are dissatisfied. And 
Let me just say this tonight, that if you are feeling dissatisfied, it should be a warning flare to you, and it should be a symptom to you that something in your spiritual life is off and that most likely it has to do with your control. See, the level of our surrender determines the level of our satisfaction, and God is just waiting. See, it is human to control. White knuckling is human. But on the opposite side, see, we don't want that in here. None of us in here, we, we want to see the divine. We want to see the holy. We want to see God move in our lives in supernatural waves. We want to see him do miracles. We want to um, see our influence as Christians reach other people. And so we want something different than that. And so if you want that, what you need to understand is that white flags are holy. That white knuckling is human, but that white flags is holy. And the only way that we will see supernatural results is if we give it up. See, what Moses and his mom understood, what Moses' mother understood, this Levite woman understood when she put the baby in the basket, is something that most of us don't understand. That surrender is eminent and that you can only white knuckle for so long until something gives way. Uh, you guys remember shop class? I actually uh, had a shop teacher that was missing a finger, and I was like, well, that's reassuring. Um, and so we would be in shop class, and we'd be building our stuff. There was one um, time where he decided we were going to have a competition, and we were all going to build bridges out of this, you know, little, almost like it was a grade up from balsam wood. It was very um, fragile wood. And so everybody was given a certain amount of wood, a certain amount of glue, a certain amount of string, and you had to build a bridge. And so I go home with my dad, and we decide, me and my dad decide to build a suspension bridge, right? I'm like in middle school. And so we build this awesome suspension bridge, and I take it in, and, um, and, he, and what we did is we put every single bridge up there and then we would put weights at the bottom to see um, how much weight it would take for the bridge to give way. And so the first bridge gets up there and it's about 10 pounds and then it kind of snaps, right? And the next bridge gets up there and it's about 25 pounds and then it snaps. And, you know, it goes on for a while and then finally I put mine up there, right? And I'm like, what's up? I'm so excited. And suspension bridge. And we put like 10 pounds on it and then 15 pounds on it and then, you know, 50 pounds on it. And it's just like taking brick by brick by brick. And finally it gets to 100 pounds and then 125 pounds. And then finally it snaps. And I'm looking around like, like I was such a nerd in middle school. So I was like, yeah, woo, like I'm never cool. So this is awesome for me. And... And, but what, what I understood that day is what I think we all understand deep inside, and it's this, is that at some point, the weight will be enough, and you will have to give way. That at some point, the circumstances in your life are going to mount up, are going to pile up, are going to weigh on you, and you will break. And God does this in our lives as a grace because he is just waiting for us to surrender. And here's the deal. He would much rather you bend a knee to the king of your circumstances than, than you try to control your circumstances and get crushed under the weight of your circumstances. He would much rather you say, I'm waving a white flag before we even get there because surrender is coming one way or the other, whether you want it or not. It is coming your way. Either it, your circumstance will crush you or God will work in you and through you as you bend a knee 
And so he's asking and he's wondering, which one is it tonight? See, uh, Moses' mother understood what we don't, that there are people coming to take her child. That there are people that are going to take him away from her and she will have no control one way or the other. And so she does ahead of time the only thing that she can do and she trusts God and listens to him. And I picture her with her hand on the basket. And she lets go. The level of surrender in your life tonight, young adult, will determine your level of satisfaction. The level of surrender in your life tonight will determine your level of satisfaction. See, there are a whole bunch of us in here, and you have financial issues, and God is looking at you, and he is saying, the level of your surrender in your finances, if you are willing to hand them over, if you're willing to actually give them to me, if you could trust me enough with them, you will be peaceful and satisfied. You have never trusted me in your relationships. You have always, you know, taken control. You have manipulated. You have been the one in charge. You have been the one wearing the pants. But if you would hand them over, if you would say, not my way, but your way, God, and you would surrender satisfaction. See, satisfied people, listen to me. This is the secret for satisfied people in the room. They are not better than you. They are not more talented than you. They are more surrendered than you. And God is just waiting. Are you willing to let go. And you got to think she's got to have these normal fears. I could lose him forever. <laughs> I could never see him again. I could, he could die. I mean, there are these normal fears. And I think what we do is we have these very normal fears in our lives and they prevent us from releasing anything to God. We think to ourselves, well, if we, if we let go, like chaos could ensue. If I surrendered this to you, God, like, all hell could break loose in my life. If I give you this relationship, it could, I could lose it forever. If I give you my money, like, what's going to happen to me? Can I pay my bills? And he's like, oh, really? She knows in this moment that the best thing she can do for her son is to let go. And she knows even though she doesn't know the outcome, she knows that the best thing she can do is trust that on the other side of her surrender, there's the Lord with the perfect plan for her. The story goes on, and this woman goes from white knuckling to white flags, and it says this, but when she could hide him no longer... She got papyrus basket for him and coated him in tar and pitch, and she placed the child in it and put him among the reeds on the bank of the Nile, and his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to them. Um, so she lets go of her son. No idea what's going to happen, church. See, we get the, you know, 3,000-foot view. No idea what's going to happen, just like you have no idea what's going to happen tonight if you would actually give over that relationship, if you would actually give over your finances, if you would actually give over control. You have no clue as to what is going to happen. All she knows is that God is good and that he is for her. She lets go of the basket. And then it says this, then the Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank and she saw a basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. I love it. She's like, I can't get my feet wet. You go get it. And so... <laughs> Um, so one of her slaves goes and gets it and she opens it and saw the baby and he was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. 
Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew ba- uh, women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, she said, go. And so the girl went, now get this, get this, get this, get this, get this, and got the baby's mother. She went and she got that not just some random woman that was able to care for the child, not some woman that was able, you know, uh, to nurse the child. She went and got the baby's mother, meaning this, church, meaning this for you and for me tonight, that when she lets go, she receives it back, but in its redeemed form and in its perfected form, that when you and I are willing to actually let it go, that we get it back, but it's better than it was before. Do you understand that God is just waiting for you to surrender some part of your heart that you have not yet? And he's like, if you would just trust me. And I picture Moses' mom being like, oh my gosh, I should have known. I should have known that you are the God of miracles, that you never work against my favor, that you love me, that you are for me, that God, that I should have known that you would work something out like this. And what you need to understand is that Moses' mother got to raise Moses. That she wasn't, you know, considered the Egyptian mom, that he was adopted into Egyptian family, but that she spent her life watching her son grow up and she got to take care of him that she released him and that she got him back she lets him go and she re- redeemed or she receives him back redeemed uh, he's protected and he's perfected by Moses's mom surrendering her treasure not only did she receive the treasure back but she found herself and her son penned into the Lord's great story see your level of surrender young adult determines your level of victory. The level that you are willing to let go is the level to which God wants to bring victory and will bring victory into your life. And I know this to be true. And so I want to ask you again, how is your level of satisfaction tonight? How is your level of inner peace tonight? Are you thinking, my goodness, I feel so satisfied, I feel so great? chances are you are most likely surrendered. Are you thinking, oh my gosh, there's so many things I wish I could change. There are so many things I wish I could rearrange. May I say in kindness to you tonight that most likely there are areas of your life that you are fists and not letting go. God says this, In 2 Corinthians, he says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Not my power is made perfect in your leadership ability. Not my power is made perfect in your um, ability to, you know, case a scenario and decide the best answers for your circumstance. My power is made perfect when you bow a knee. Do you want a powerful life? Zechariah 4, 6 says this, not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. God is waiting to release victory into your life, but the only way he can do that is if you let it go. Not by might, not by power. I love that verse in, 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 in the Bible because I think to myself, oh my goodness, this is right before God brings a mountain down. And he says, he says, not by might, not by your muscles, not by your ability, not by your pure will, not by your effort, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And tonight, God, I think, just wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to every single person in here, and he wants to say, your circumstance is not lost. Your circumstance simply isn't surrendered. 
that that relationship isn't lost. It just needs to be redeemed. That, that your finances are not in ruin. They just need to be laid down at the feet of Christ. And you need to start saying to yourself, not my way, but your way. I'm tired of doing it my way because my way always fails. It's 125 pounds and then it gives way. At some point, every single one of us in here will surrender. And it will either be because we are crushed by our circumstances or because we say, you know what, I'm not going to you know, bear the weight of my circumstances. Instead, I am going to bow a knee to you. And in that moment, you carry the weight of it all. God wants you to understand tonight that if you want a victorious life, which I believe every single person in here does, that that is contingent upon your level of surrender, that he wants to bring it to you, but it's only going to happen if you let it go. And if you release it to him, this story about Moses and his mom is incredible. It's a beautiful story. And you know, what's crazy is that moment that she let him go not only was she redeeming her story and bringing her story into God's story and not only was she redeeming her son and and making it so that they could have this wonderful childhood together and teenage time together but listen to this she is making it possible for Moses to grow up in an Egyptian court and she is making it possible for him to see the Hebrew people enslaved. And she is making it possible for him to be inner burdened about it and she is making it possible for a little leader to be sparked inside of him. And so one day, her surrender results in him leading thousands of people out of Exodus. There's a story God wants to write in your life, but he can't because of control. The story of Moses goes on. And if everybody could stand, I'm gonna wrap up. And this is some 40 years after Moses is placed in a basket and raised in Egyptian court. And then um, he ends up in the wilderness and he comes back and he leads the people out of Exodus, um, out of Egypt. And then it, it says this in Exodus 17. It says, then Amalek came and fought with, the, um, with Israel at Rephidim. And so Moses said to Joshua, and Joshua was one of his generals, he says, Choose us men um, to go out and fight with Amalek, and tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill with my staff of God in my hand. And so Joshua did as Moses told him, and he fought with him at Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the hilltop. And then listen to this. Whenever Moses held his hands up, Israel prevailed. See, when we hold our hands up at church, it's not like some emotional show. It's literally saying, I can't do this, but you can. My level of victory comes only in your power and in your spirit, not by my power. When we raise our hands, and so anytime Moses would raise his hands, they would start to win. And the moment he would lower them, they would start to lose. And so one man stood on his right and one man stood on his left. And the whole purpose is in some like supernatural show. It's to show us that when we are completely surrendered, he fights our battles for us. And so tonight as you worship, I want you to think about the thing that you most want God to work in. I want you to think about the thing 
thing that you won't let go of and I want you to make the decision. Am I willing to white knuckle this into the ground? Because if you are, here's the reality, you will be dissatisfied, you will be unvictorious and he won't be able to work in your life the way that you want. But if you are willing to let it go, he would love to redeem your story and not just your story, but write you into his story. This is what he wants to do tonight. And so as we worship, God is saying, turn that white fist into a white flag. And I don't know what it is for you tonight, but that's what he wants to do. I know it. And so with every head bow, I just want to ask two questions. The first one is this. If you are in here and you don't know Jesus, and he is my king, he's my best friend, he's my redeemer, my savior, my life. And there are a whole bunch of people in here that agree with me. And he not only wants to work in you and through you, but he wants to make it so that your life is full of peace. That that toiling, that that hurt, that that issue, it doesn't follow you around anymore. And if you're in here tonight and you're saying, I want to know Jesus and I want to surrender my life to him, would you raise your hand? And if you're in here tonight and you're saying, I'm already maybe a Christian, I've already surrendered my life to him, but there are areas of my life that I do not let go to him, that I am not willing to bend a knee. But you are saying tonight, I want to make not just a church service, but I want to make a line in the sand where I move from the right to the left, from death to life, from control to white flags, from white knuckling to complete surrender. If that's you in here tonight, would you just, as an act of just pure heartedness, would you raise your hand? God, thank you for every single person that received you as their Lord and Savior. I pray that they would understand that because they are not unashamed of you right here and right now on earth, you are not unashamed of them in heaven. And God, we thank you for the salvation and the Holy Spirit that has entered them at this very moment. And God, as we worship you, God, we pour out ourselves to you and we say, this is yours. White knuckles to white flags. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.